0: Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 791 with Guy
1: Clark. It really goes down to that experience based, what we've talked about earlier, is where, you know, I think a lot of people don't just want to dine out, they want to experience out. And the dining is part of it.
0: Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Procter & Gamble Professional provides a wide range of cleaning and disinfectants for your business needs get the cleaning and disinfecting products you need and the peace of mind you deserve not only does Procter and gamble professional make you cleaner it also makes you more efficient Dom professional pot and pan cleans 58 percent more pots and pans than the leading competitor Dom professional it's clean upgraded If you're sick of all of your employees coming to you for information, direction, and guidance on how to do the job right, that might mean you have a people-dependent operation. The operation depends on you. What you need is a system-dependent operation, and that's where Sweet Process can help. Sweet Process is a software that enables companies to have a central place for all their procedures, processes, and policies. By default, Sweet Process offers a free 14-day trial. By using our dedicated sign-up link, you will get an extended 28-day free trial. Go to www.sweetprocess.com slash unstoppable. Again, that's www.sweetprocess.com slash unstoppable. This episode is brought to you by Seven Shifts. Seven Shifts is a modern labor management platform designed by restaurateurs for restaurateurs. And Seven Shifts is trusted by over 400,000 restaurant professionals because it gives you the tools you need to streamline labor operations, communicate with your team, and retain your talent. And because you are Restaurant Unstoppable listeners, you get three months absolutely free. Get started at www.7shifts.com. Slash unstoppable. That's the number seven. S H I F T S dot com slash unstoppable to get three months of industry leading labor management for free. What up, Unstoppables? I have a great show for you today. But before I get into what you can expect, please support the podcast. There's a few ways you can do it. You can support our sponsors. You can click the links in our show notes. Those are sometimes affiliate links. You can Share this podcast with everybody and anyone you know aspiring to be great. And also, something I do not recommend enough, you can subscribe to our email list. Head over to restaurantstoppable.com. Scroll to the bottom of any one of those pages because I don't necessarily believe in smacking people in the face all the time with a pop-up. So scroll down to the bottom of the page and you can... Get on the email list where I keep you guys up to date every week. I send a weekend a weekend email, and in that email, I, I tell you what's in store for the following week. So if you want to stay tuned in to what events are going on, subscribe to the email list. So today, we got Guy Clark joining us. So Guy Clark came on my radar by way of Bruce Irving, who I've had on the show a bunch of times, uh, the host of Smart Pizza Marketing Podcast, the Small Business Marketing Podcast, one of my most trusted resources when it comes to marketing. And frankly speaking, uh, I, I need more marketers in my network. Uh, and that's not an invitation to shoot me an email to be a guest in the show, but word of mouth marketer or people who've come to me by word of mouth, uh, people who have used these marketers and have said that they have been nothing but helpful is what I'm looking for. And, when Bruce mentioned Guy's name and that he, he was been really impressed by what Guy is doing, I, I started digging and I started, I, um, actually sat in one or two of his, he, he's been hosting a lot of clubhouses. So he knows this stuff and Guy's story is cool. He came up in the hospitality industry by the way of the music or the, the live music venue or event business had a lot of success with doing that pivoted away from music and he started creating live food events in Southern Florida. And then that evolved into taking over the marketing for a lot of these restaurants that were attending these live food events. And now he's teaching his marketing to the masses via clubhouse. The, and uh, he gets into the the you know, he'll tell you exactly where to go and what groups to follow and the closing thoughts of today's episode. But, um, yeah, I, I was really impressed by Guy. And I think that if you listen today's, to today's episode, you'll pick up what I picked up, which is a really great advice around event planning. So we don't get into event planning that often, but this is what Guy did. This is what he's, he, 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 his launch pad was event planning. So we really get into the details of event planning. We also get into the, the conversation, um, of being a connector and, how much value comes from helping two people connect. And I think that's a big takeaway from today's conversation. I think you're really going to enjoy this. Here it is. Guy Clark. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, the founder of Sizzle Southwest Florida Restaurant Week and the Restaurant Marketing Club on the Clubhouse app, Guy Clark, my man Guy. Are you feeling unstoppable today? I am
1: absolutely feeling unstoppable.
0: Dude, I am feeling unstoppable and I cannot wait to get into your story. So I'm excited for this conversation because within the network, I've been getting a lot of requests from the network members to get more content around marketing hmm. and driving business to our restaurants. So I, I started becoming much more receptive to the marketers in my life. And right. about, I think it was almost a month ago at this point or at least three weeks ago, um, I connected with you on clubhouse, yep. uh, with, um, uh, Bruce Irving. And I, to get onto the show, you need to know somebody who I know, who I respect and admire, right. who I know knows their stuff. And when, I was talking to Bruce about you. He said that you knew your stuff, that he, he's somebody that I need to get on the show. Uh, so here you are. I'm down here in Florida, Naples, Florida. You've been a great host, by the way. You've been hooking me up. So thank you thank so you. much. Uh, so we're here today. I don't know what exactly we're going to talk about. I know you're a, a powerhouse in the world of event planning and driving people to those events. And I think that the restaurant industry today more than ever is more of an event business than yeah. a food and beverage business just because yeah. you need seats and butts and then you can feed people. But – um, who knows what we'll discuss, but before we dive into your story, who you are and how you got to where you are right. today, why don't we get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra? What do you got for us?
1: The success quote or mantra? Yeah. All right. I feel that uh, something that I say a lot, I would say always continue to put one foot in front of the other and you'll be heading in the right direction.
0: Always put one foot in front of the other and you'll be heading in the right direction. Dive into that. I mean, it's pretty straightforward, yeah. but why yeah. does that resonate with you?
1: It's like a long way of saying, just do it. Yeah. A little bit more elegant. Maybe it makes you think a little deeper. Therefore, I feel it has more meaning to me. Yeah,
0: I think when when we are taking those one steps in front of the other, (laughs) Mm -hmm. we tend to look way down the road and we think to ourselves, we're so far away. But you're never going to get closer (laughs) if you don't take that first step, right? So you've got to just start chipping away, taking those steps, and you'll get there. Awesome way to get this thing started. So where does it make sense to start telling your story? I know (laughs) in your your LinkedIn profile, you say, I think you're um, a, a... Oh, what's the word for somebody who's an autodidact, autodidact. somebody who's self-taught and yeah. you're constantly learning. You've been in how many different careers up to this point?
1: <laughs> As an entrepreneur, I've been in many life experiences Yes, and, uh, I wouldn't call them careers cause I feel that's just that, you know, 20 years, <laughs> you know, it's about experiences. It's about learning new things. It's about changing passions and not being afraid of that. Yeah. And so that's something that I really have lived by and, you know, um, I don't know where to start but you know I love the fish and so I was tired at a job and I said uh, you know wow you know maybe I can do something in the fishing industry and lo and behold there was an ad in the paper back I'm dating myself cuz back when they used to have classifieds in the paper to uh, go work at a, a fishing tackle company just uh, an well, hour and a half this? south I lived in Middletown New York okay and the job was actually down in Mahwah New Jersey okay. so it was a little bit of a drive but it was something that's like you know how often do you does that opportunity come up to go work in the fishing tackle industry? And at first, I started as sales because I was good at talking with people and making relationships. And then they saw that I was good at sales and getting new relationships, so they used to let me go off, and I would travel up to upstate New York and go salmon fishing, and then hit all the tackle stores. And you know, it was, it was a fun job. We got to go everywhere, Vegas, and fish everywhere, and meet new cool people. And you know, it, it taught me a lot too. You know, in regards to dealing with these salty fishermen, you know, <laughs> you're trying to sell tackle uh, tackle boxes and stuff to a, a salty guy up on the Jersey Shore who's been sold everything under the sun. <laughs> it fine tunes you a little.
0: Yeah, I bet. So, I mean, one, I think even during our pre-interview chat, you're like, "How far back do you want me to go?" Because I've been in so many. Di- I've gotten so many different experiences, and one of the things I said to you was, like, "But no matter what." no matter how many different businesses you own the one one of the mo- the common things for all businesses is you have to know how to market it Marketing. you have to know how to drive people to it so n- even though you've been changing career changing focus uh, for the past I don't know how, how, how many years now going back when your first your first entrepreneurial venture that
1: the tackle industry oh my first entrepreneur yeah. oh I, man I was, I was probably seven years old selling <laughs> lemonade on the side street on the, on the corner yeah for real. Um, I was collecting pennies going to the local coin dealer when I was 11 years old because I remember I had fallen down the stairs of my complex and got 13 stitches in my head. I was 11 years old, and I was on my way to the freaking coin store to go swap out some coins I had and and see if I could make the arbitrage in between. (laughs) Little did I know any of these words and stuff back then, but... Yeah, I think ever since I was a kid, my mom tells me stories. I used to set up cardboard boxes and sell Kool-Aid and lemonade for a quarter for a Dixie cup.
0: Oh, really? And I, you for know, real. <laughs> I almost forgot to mention I'm sitting here looking behind you in the beautiful backdrop, and I want to give our friends at the Turtle, what's the full name? The, the Tur- Turtle Club. The Turtle Club yeah. uh, right here in the Naples. What's the name of this beach? This is, well, it's the Gulf of Mexico.
1: Yes. So this is part of the Naples Beach in wonderful uh, Paradise Coast, Florida. Special
0: thanks to the Turtle Club for letting us record in their beautiful space here. Uh, awesome stuff. I should have started with that, but no. I'll, I'll make sure to end with it,
1: too. Wait till they see the B-roll. <laughs> yeah, right. It's going to be gorgeous. <laughs> it's
0: a beautiful spot. So um, where does it make sense to start telling your story as far as the the most critical points in your come-up, along your way? And I, I know when I, when I sat down with you the first time, I was sitting in my car in the parking lot, hmm. learning about you when the first time we connected over the phone, you kind of gave me this fast forward version hmm. of how you got to where you are relative to the restaurant industry. And that version of the story started with the restaurant w- weeks. Right. Um, does it make sense to go further than that? Or where do you want to start?
1: Yeah, I'll go back a little bit okay. for sure. Just,
0: just ramble it out. Just yeah. Yeah. It out.
1: Um, in 2007, I moved from New York to Florida. Okay. So I came down here and um, my father and I, my stepfather and I had, um, we got into a route business for martin's potato bread okay it's kind of how do you word something like that without telling people the route business and it was something really interesting that i'd never been in but i wanted to get out of new york i was kind of tired of the the cold winters and everything and so he called me up and he goes hey i got this business idea down here why don't you come out and take a look at it and it was to deliver martin's potato bread all the grocery stores down here now up north martin's is a really big brand yeah i don't know if you're familiar with it i think
0: i have heard of it potato bread sounds familiar best
1: freaking bread out there ever you know commercial in the store yeah and uh, i loved the bread and i believed in the brand from being up in new york and so i came down and i looked at the business and you know it was a unique opportunity because my stepfather knew the guy who opened florida state up for the bread okay and these routes were it's kind of like buying a stock on an ipo day you know pre-ipo so we got in on these routes early, but then then the economy tanked yeah. in 08. and so as I'm down here, I'm looking around, and there's no music scene down here in the, in uh, Naples, Florida. And so I went to a local club, and I said, "Hey, you know, I know a bunch of DJs from friends. Let's start doing some music stuff." And I know this sounds weird where I'm starting, but that got me eventually after you know several years in the music industry got me to the point where you know i was doing these major festivals okay and that's where you know the the where i am today and who i am today and the the event world really comes into play but it kind of started at that you know i came down delivering bread (laughs) ran that for a couple years through the uh, the economy when the housing market crashed got it back up and in the meantime to make extra dollars started throwing events
0: okay and that's one of the things i've absolutely picked up from you and your story is that you are a connector, and you're doing it with me. And you have, you find a way of saying, "Who do I know, and who do I know who you could know that would serve you and this other person?" You love to create win win situations for people, and then you're doing yeah. it here in, in, this, in this part of your story. You, you you see this opportunity, these club these club owners, mm-hmm. and you have a network of DJs, and you're trying to create win win situations. Yeah, I think that is this one thing that we don't do enough, and it, it always yeah. almost always leads to. A win 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 situation because the connector wins too.
1: It's great to give. Yeah. I feel then it's the best thing that anybody should do. Give locally, give of yourself. um, You know, these five minute favors and stuff like that, just all the time. Give, give, give. Just let the universe bring it back. Not sounding any, you know, spiritualistic or anything like that. I'm not making fun of any of that when I say that. It just. It's true.
0: And you can't track it. You just have to believe. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, after you've done it for so long, you see and feel the rewards to where you don't even keep track anymore. Yeah. You just kind of know it happens. And it's the best way I think to go through life in that way. And don't get me wrong. I'm still a capitalist. I run businesses. I want to make money. I have bills to pay. Yeah. I want to enjoy the beach. Uh, but doing good is good business, man. Doing good is good business. It is. I like that. Yeah. Uh,
0: so th- let's dive in a little deeper. Let's kind of pull back some of the layers. So you're yeah. down here. Um, you're, you see this opportunity. There aren't People, there's there's no club scene or or music scene, probably because of the demographic. I would have yeah something to do with that. Yeah, so older demographic. What, what things were you doing to, to kind of get this project or start connecting these people? How did that look?
1: Well, in the short run of it, it was really just you know going to the bar owners and going to the local people who like music and just connecting the dots and introducing people and saying you know I have somebody I can bring into this to make this jazz and make it work. And it just kind of grew and grew and grew. And then um, when I went to work in the music business in in larger companies after growing out of the local area, that's when, you know, wow, these big, massive festivals like Sunset Music Festival in Tampa or Ultra Music Festival in Miami, Life in Color in Miami.
0: What was your role during all those festivals?
1: I worked as event producer. I've worked as sponsorship director. Okay. Um, I've actually... Put the money down and thrown some of these events myself. Renting, you know, locally here, we have Jermaine Arena with 7,000 seats. Okay. Um, Steve Aoki's come down here. Sidney Sampson's come down here. Tommy Trash, a bunch of other DJs have come down. And it was, the EDM scene was ripe at that time. The what scene? EDM, okay. electronic dance music. Gotcha. It was ripe at that time. And so it really was a thing. They're just, Naples isn't young enough. There's not enough of it to really sustain that long. And so then I went to go work for the national company called SFX, and that national company was throwing these massive festivals, like renting Miami Dolphin Stadium and things, renting Tampa Bay Stadium, and that was really interesting to see how big they got. And all the, everything I learned about from where the porta-potties go to where the stages go to how the flow goes in the door, all the failures and everything from throwing those events and the successes led me to you know, kind of say, oh, I have this knowledge of this, and then When I got out of the music industry in 2013, yeah, 2013, I got out of the music industry, I told my wife, I said, you know, she's like, what do you want to do now? And I was like, oh.
0: Wait, why did you get out of the music industry?
1: Um, I saw the writing on the wall with the EDM scene kind of crashing a little bit. Okay. I don't want to get into it. And, you know, there was some bad players and some crazy things going on with the EDM scene. Sponsors didn't want to really... Associate with it? Yeah, yeah. There's, you know, some things at Ultra, death and drugs, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, But I saw the writing on the wall. I didn't extend my contract. It was just meant to be, really. It was karma. It was just one of those yep. things. I told her, my wife said, what do you want to do? And I told her, uh, I want to take my knowledge of this event scene. And my passion from when I was a kid was cooking. I used to cook for my parents. I want to do something in the food scene. I saw that happening um remember 2013 there was not as many bacon fests and taco fests and fest food fests as there are today it was not a thing in 2000 when i threw my first event 2014 it was um bacon fest naples and literally chefs and restaurant owners were like what's a bacon festival was the number one question i got asked in 2014 so that was really neat we did bacon fest naples um and I did that in conjunction. It was a team effort, of course. Can't do everything alone. And did it in conjunction with the Kiwanis Club here in Naples. They help uh, a lot of local kids and work with kid scholarships. And they were, I mean, I couldn't have done it without them, of course.
0: Let's Before we get into Bacon Fest, because that's, yeah. that's kind of like the the beginning of your your business, that sizzle, which serves you mm-hmm. to this day, correct? Yes. Okay. So before that, I think what you identified, what set you up for success in the food event planning was the event planning for around music yeah so you picked up a lot of lessons you said you were in charge of sponsorship and you were in charge in charge of event planning what was, what was, what was it
1: event producer event producer ep uh, event planner event producer
0: so what does it uh, what does the prevent uh, event, try, the planner, event
1: producer EP. do Just say ep it's so much easier. ep <laughs> what does the ep do um as an event there's varying levels of being an EP and there's probably other words for it as well. This is just what we used. Okay. But um it can go on the top level of I'm gonna come up with an idea of I want to book XYZ band.
0: Okay.
1: I'm gonna call the arena, find out how much it costs. You know, there's everything associated from you have to have police presence, you have to have ambulance presence presence, you have to have insurance you have to have uh, a complete staff. You have to have riggers. you got to work with the union, depending on your location. You've got to have a lighting crew. You've got to have a safety crew. you got to have you know crew bringing the gear in and out. Then you got to deal with the DJs. You've got to... Am I going too fast, by the way? No, man, I'm, I'm getting it all.
0: <laughs> so basically, you're an event planner.
1: Yeah, you're, you're an event planner So in what's that the difference
0: way? between an event planner and an event producer?
1: Well, the planner just puts the plan together. The producer... Can put the, and that's what I'm saying on a high level, you would plan it and then produce it, pull the trigger on everything. An EP, on event producer, just pulls the trigger. The planner's already planned it out. Okay. So when you're putting a big music festival together, like, you know, Lollapalooza or, um, Coachella Miami yeah. or, uh, Ultra Miami, you know, any of those big ones like that. There's the planners that say you know, okay, we're going to lay out the groundwork stage goes here, porta johns go here, the traffic flow goes here the entrance is here, security safety stations, water stations bathrooms, etc. All that has to be planned and then they're going to take those plans and give them to a couple different event producers who handle Quads, depending on how big the event is, or they'll handle the whole thing. So you're dealing with contracts and stuff
0: like that, uh, getting people lining up. So the event planner is saying, "We need this," and then you're going, "Let me go set that up."
1: Yep. Now, in the bigger event companies, we actually had people who their sole job was to just book DJs and book bands and musicians, and they dealt with all of the writers, no brown M and M's kind of stuff. You know, um, that's a Van Halen reference, by the way, for all you young folks. <laughs> And then though their whole entire thing was just to deal with that. And then you had people who did lighting and design, and that was their whole job. So on a grand level, you have different teammates. And then on a smaller scale, you have if you're doing it all yourself. So I've rented Jermaine Arena here in town, 7,000 square, or 7,000 person event. And it was me and two other people that really threw the whole entire show. So I dealt with booking the DJ, I dealt with bringing in the stage, calling the companies, hiring the lighting, hiring the riggers, getting the insurance, and painting some of this stuff off to the team, and then the day of the event, you've got to be there at 8 o'clock in the morning, if not even sooner, and make sure the riggers are up there, and putting the lights in and everything, and then you're there for the show as well. So there's a lot of, depending on the size of the event, it could go from you know a small team of people doing it, or... yeah. You know, a huge team of people doing it. So
0: what it. what level did you play with the visionary side of things? Like were you saying this is the kind of event people would like? Are you are you part of the visionary or is that more of the planner side?
1: For the shows that I did myself, yeah. I was definitely part of the visionary. Okay. You know, for the shows that were for the larger companies, I was not part of their vision but maybe one percent like as a as a friend and knowing them and working with them, they're always like, Hey, what do you think of this DJ? And it's out to the to the team. Yeah. You know, but ultimately they make the choice. I was not the guys who made the choice on the bigger stuff like that. Okay, uh-huh. so
0: when you say they, because it was your, you saw the void, you saw that there was opportunity here. Yeah. Were you collaborating with other entities, or were you were you contracting out the they, the planners?
1: Here locally in yep. Naples, Florida, Southwest Florida, um, I did a lot of shows by myself and then I did a couple of shows with other people. Gotcha. Uh, one show in particular was the Steve Aoki show. We okay. worked with a company out of Orlando called Evolve. Okay. They were, again, insurmountable to making sure the show happened. Without them, it wouldn't have. So that was great. And they brought, a, you know, their side to the table. I brought my side to the table and we joined up and collabed together and through the show. Gotcha. So gotcha. It, it does happen, but you, sh- you all share in responsibilities when it comes to shows. If I can get off music for a minute, though, and move over to food, yeah, that's kind of – it changes the dynamic as well.
0: Yeah. I guess what I'm trying to figure out right now is how did this experience of being an event producer with music – what were the key lessons you learned? What were the things that set you up for success to pivot and do your own thing to focus on food?
1: I think I learned along the whole way because you see the disasters as you're walking around the field or – you know, the Steve Aoki show was one example where we didn't plan the date 100% properly. It was graduation day for our local college. Okay. So you're thinking, ooh, graduation day, they're going to go to a party at night. Yeah. We didn't realize that the college let all the freshmen, sophomore, and juniors out of their dorms two weeks earlier. Uh, and they had no, they were only here for the day with family, and then they had no place to sleep. Yeah. There was no place to go, so there was no party happening so you learn that lesson and that's a pretty big failure too because it cost a lot of money yeah but um the uh the other things you just learn along the way you know are the porta potties in a bad spot was there enough lighting for them safety issues you know um how to control people from going backstage and how to control people from you know hopping the fence you know um there's lessons learned every single time an event like that is thrown even after like ultra music fest that's been around for Pushing twenty years now, I think.
0: So, what are some of the more obvious high-level things from your experience as a going all the way back as an EP before 2013 to the, the experience of food production uh, post 2013 or uh, food event production, I should say, mm-hmm. uh, post 2013? Like the, the big things that you learned that most people just don't consider when they're even on the most minute sm- small event that mm-hmm. people just don't consider that they should consider. The one
1: biggest thing is whatever time you think it's going to take you, double it. Yeah, <laughs> maybe triple it, because that right there alone is probably going to be the most. When you say that, time,
0: it's going to take you time to plan or time to actually have the time event? to
1: make it happen. Okay. Once the planning's done and you've got to pull the trigger and you've you're in the door at eight o'clock in the morning at the arena or the food event, and you've got to get tables and chairs and this and that and it, it's going to take you more time than you really originally planned, no matter what, because the compound effect yeah it's going to be one guy takes one person takes five seconds of your time to ask you a question and that compounds into you know x amount minutes and and it just it doesn't one
0: person if one link of the chain is held up you can't you can't do the next thing until this thing's done so yeah yeah, that makes complete sense
1: generators aren't working and you've got to get power to the booths so that the people can start making their food and you've got to stop setting the tents up which is crucial yeah, to go figure out the generator problem. Yeah. yeah, especially in Florida, right? To figure out the generator problem. And you gotta have that going so you can get this and it, it's it's gonna take you time. So yeah. one of the things I learned like with Bacon Fest Naples, the third year we threw that. It went from we expected a thousand people to come in first year, two thousand showed, we expected three thousand the next year, five thousand showed, we expected five thousand people the next year, eight thousand showed. Damn. It was it was like whoa, So that third, because of year one and year two, that third year, we were very prepared for it. Yep. We expanded our footprint. We made flow a big priority. It actually made it look like it wasn't even busy. I've got a a drone shot and you look down and you're like, Dang.
0: There's ten thousand people down there. It doesn't look like a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. Was that
1: was that in the morning? <laughs> yeah. And it's just, you know, because we really pushed the envelope and planned ahead. Yeah. And that really helped. And I was there Monday. The event was Saturday. And I was spray painting out where the tents go, measuring everything with a hundred foot, you know, uh so you had rope. six
0: days early, seven days earlier basically. Every single five days. day from
1: eight like eight o'clock in yeah. the morning until four or five o'clock at night. I was in that field. Staking things out, measuring things out, planning things out, making sure. And then generators came on Wednesday, and the tents come on Thursday and Friday, and then the, the stage comes on Thursday or Friday. Something. It's been a couple of years, so I forget yeah. the exact dates and you know the, the way, but you're there, and you're setting things up, and then Saturday morning, you got you know, 40, 50, 60 vendors, 30, 45 craft vendors coming because, you know, they mix it up, some farmers coming in, and the, then the bands are coming in. <laughs> it's fun. Yeah, and then, man. you know, of course, people want to buy tickets, and they're like, why aren't I on the guest list? I'm my, I bought these ahead of time, and I forgot I left it at home. or So you're dealing with all those kind of things, <laughs> oh, too.
0: Okay, I think now is a good time to thank our sponsors, and we'll be right back to kind of start unpackaging the the journey, the come-up of an event planner and maybe pull on. out out some more lessons along the way you know obviously we want to talk about social media because that's what you do now your focus is on social media and i'm sure we'll evolve into that but real quick we'll be right back uh let's thank our sponsors I started this podcast because I have a passion for serving people in the restaurant industry because they have a passion for bringing people together with the ultimate love language, their cooking. But with all that cooking comes great giant greasy piles of pots and pans, and we can't waste our valuable time with endless sink changeovers. So we must upgrade to Don professional pot and pan. Don professional pot and pan cleans 58% more pots and pans than the leading competitor less dish soap, fewer changeovers, and more time doing what we love, bringing people together with the ultimate love language, food. Not to mention, Procter & Gamble Professional also provides a wide range of disinfectants for your business needs. Get the cleaning, disinfecting products you need, and the peace of mind you deserve. DAW Professional, it's clean, upgraded. Uh we're back, and um now I'm just really curious. I mean, you kind of already mapped out the success you had after from your first bacon fest it almost it was almost doubling every year then thereafter yeah. right exponential yeah. growth, so bring us back to that point where you, you're realizing, okay, I don't want to stay in the music scene. It's probably the writings on the wall, like you said. Mm-hmm. um you saw there's new opportunity. What made you think of uh food events?
1: I really don't know.
0: I I don't. (laughs) You mentioned earlier that you just love food. You want to be associated with food. I do.
1: Um, My mom had this red and white uh, Betty Crocker cookbook, like a little metal rings on the inside. It's, you know, probably was my grandmother's who knows it's old looking. And as a kid, I used to flip through it and she'd be like, you know, buy, I'll buy the groceries. You pick up the, uh, you pick out the recipe. I'll buy the groceries if you want to cook dinner and I would start experimenting and cooking, I love to cook. So I think I've always just loved it. And then along the way, my journey, you know, I, I lived in Scotland for three years and along that, that journey of just living, I've never been afraid of trying anything. I've had almost everything. A few things heebie-jeebie out like brains. I probably would pass on that one no matter what, but you know, I've had Rocky mountain oysters. I've had all sorts of crazy things, baby eels, etc., um, crickets and, and, crickets
0: are actually really good they are
1: I do like them and
0: I so funny story not to derail from your story when I was in Thailand uh, there's the street market that was every Wednesday and there was this vendor at the street market that had any kind of creepy crawly that you can think of, and I and I worked my way up. Every week I went, I started with the smallest creepy crawly, and I worked my way up to the big dog. You know, the Timon and Pumba like grub oh. that they they're slurping on, and you I don't know, know. Kuna Matata. You know, when they're, they're I might pass song. on that one too. Yeah, I think it was during that song, but dude, that that big. That big dog was yeah. the. It, t- it tastes like a potato chip. It was the tastiest one. I was expecting it to be juicy and gross. It was delicious. Sorry, no. sorry to steal your thunder. I don't know. Keep, no, keep no, going. no, no. It's. I love to hear those stories
1: yeah. because then I'm like, well,
0: maybe I won't
1: try those things after I just got done saying try everything.
0: The moral of that my story right <laughs> there is don't avoid the big juicy looking ones. The best one. Go start with that one. <laughs> We're talking so about bugs. Yeah, go for it. <laughs>
1: um. So where were, we? were you talking about how
0: you like, love to eat all different types of food? maybe yeah. not brains, yeah, yeah, yeah. crickets,
1: anything. Oh, yeah. So when I was in the music industry, so when I got out, I mean, I love food. I'm the kind of guy that takes pictures of his food. Yeah. Almost everywhere, except for today when we had the I calamari. Uh,
0: I could learn that habit from you. Yeah. I well forgot.
1: So I took I, I took a lot of pictures. I was a foodie. I, I liked the experiences of it. So when my wife and I talked about it and said, you know, what do you want to do? It just kind of felt like, you know, my passion was to do something like that. And I love events. I really do. I think putting them on is just you're bringing happiness to a lot of people. And there's not much better than that. And it's a fun day, you know? So, and, and it's really satisfying to take it from here in my head and then poof, there it is in front of you and people are enjoying it. Yeah. It went well. At the end of the day, it's, it's almost like crying. You're just so what elated. Is,
0: what is the best part of throwing an event for you? What, what lights you up the most?
1: When, right about peak time, when the most people are kind of there and you, if you ever have this experience, it's surreal. You get up on stage and you just look out over the sea of people. You look and you see the enjoyment. You see the happiness. You see the smiles, the laughs, the the, the, the curiosity of like, ooh, what's that? And the food wise. And I, I think that's it. That, that just kind of solidifies it and says, mission accomplished. You've yeah. done
0: good. Look at that. I think that's very similar with a lot of restaurant tours, is that they really just love bringing people together and making people happy with mm. food. And you're doing the same thing; it's other yeah. people's food, but you're bringing people together, making and those connections. Yeah, exactly, man. You're uh, right, <laughs> I love that. Um, so, like, as as we're going through this, I. And I what I'm trying to do is the person on the other end of this who's listening to this, who owns a restaurant, who, or maybe who's in the restaurant industry, who notices that there's an opportunity for an event situation in their town. Maybe yeah. they're in a smaller city that doesn't do events. Um, like w- what advice do you have for that person who, who maybe is working in the restaurant industry or is closely tied to the restaurant industry yeah. that sees an opportunity? Speak to them and let them know what you learned the hard way trying to come up with these events.
1: Yeah. There's a lot of things that are important when throwing a local event at a restaurant. And I, I can't really, like, I don't have them memorized. I can't rattle them off. I don't have a course to sell with it or anything yeah. like that. But, you know, I'll, I can probably tell you through a couple stories of ones that we've done, yeah. and the points will pop up. Yeah, yeah. You know, so we've done some simple events like a farmer's series at a local steakhouse, Italian steakhouse, where you can go out and get Nutsky bacon, best yeah. bacon ever. Uh, you can go and get Nutsky Bacon, and you can ask them to send a rep down because you buy so much of it. The restaurant worked with them already yeah. um, and have a rep come down. And you can plan this Little like event out. We did, I think it was like seven farmers from local brands that we were already working with. We worked with um, our food purveyor. You know, they had those connections as well. It was a very planned out kind of thing. Where um, you just get with them ahead of time and say, I want to do this. Here's the idea farmer series, you know, and then you go to your food purveyor and you say, what brands do you have that you work with that are looking for exposure that I buy already that I stand behind? And, you know, we'll put this little series together and do private dinners. So it's that planning ahead that really comes in.
0: And again, I think it's also creating the win-win-win situations.
1: Connects. Connecting. Yeah. yeah. And,
0: and if you can just find a way to, to help people through these events, because people benefit from events. They do. It's exposure. It's it's cash flow. They It's, do. it's all types of things.
1: It really goes down to that experience-based, what we've talked about earlier, is where, you know, I think a lot of people don't just want to dine out. They want to experience out. Yeah. And the dining is part of it. Yeah. You know, um, there's something... I don't remember how the quote goes, but it's something like, um, you're not really in the restaurant business to serve food, you're in the restaurant business to provide experiences mm-hmm. and connections, etc. Yeah. Something like that. We've heard, you know, many different ways of saying it and I believe in that. I think that's really what it's about. It's not just about food. That's what Burger King and McDonald's is about. Yeah. You know. So but with the events wise though, so we did this other event with the French. Um I think you're going to be talking with chef Vincenzo Batulia from the French tomorrow. Um, We did this awesome event there at the French and tomorrow when you'll go, you'll walk in and you'll be like, you'll get it. Like you'll get this picture I painted. They have this marvelous outside patio um, with a tree growing up through the middle and, you know, Romanesque kind of European walls with arched openings and it's airy. And then there's the red, white, and blue umbrellas going down the hallway past the bar Parisian feel right Yep. so we did this um, chef Vincenzo had this idea of doing this summer of wellness so we brainstormed together and came up with this idea to do a Sunday uh, brunch and burn where we went to very out of the box I feel too we went to a local uh, yoga instructor we went to a local uh, cyclist by bi- inside bicycle company we went to a local boxing company that had the boxing um, bags and then we asked them to come and do a class from nine o'clock in the morning until I think it was like 10 30 or something hour, hour and a half long class um, on subsequent, you know, uh, every Saturday or Sunday, Sunday, sorry, Sundays, okay. different Sundays. And we made it this thing where you can have the burn and you can have the brunch. So when we all got done, we went inside, chef Vincenzo cooks up these amazing, healthy free brunches. And he got exposure to the restaurant. Those uh, uh, exercise companies got exposure and, we had a very unique experience in a restaurant. Yeah.
0: Are you seeing a trend here with when it comes to just bringing people together? And like, oh, I want to do this. Well, trying to and make key. a point. Yeah, but it's again. It's like yes. this is this thing we want to do where we want to do. We want to focus on the health. And who do we know that we can bring in on this and 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 you know mm-hmm. give them exposure, help them find new clientele. It's it's all about just connections and creating those win-win-win situations. It is. You win the 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 restaurant wins the. Um, the the vendors that are coming in or yep. everyone's winning. The guests are winning. It's just yeah. creating positive experiences and, and helping yep. people out. Um, but when you are structuring these events, like the, what was it, the wellness and the summer, summer of wellness, summer, summer, summer of wellness. Um, how are you structuring this? As far, how are you splitting this up? Because you're collaborating on this. Is he yep. like? How do you guys draw those lines in the sand?
1: Well, at the time, the I owned a marketing company. Sold it pre-COVID, okay. my share of it. Yep. And so at the time, we'll get Vincenzo was <laughs> my client, yeah. actually. And so there's a collaboration when you meet every week of, we want to do something. Let's kick around some ideas. We would sit and chat our meetings a couple hours. And it was sometimes a, a, you know, a little chat with his direction of which way you wanted to go. And then we would brainstorm back at the office, which was me and my business partner at the time. So there's that collaboration as well. Knowing what... And I think this is where a unique point of view comes in. You've got to understand your surroundings. You've got to understand your demographics of, you know, who your client is, you know, who your listener is, etc. And that comes in handy when you're in the restaurant business or you you understand that. Um, it kind of comes natural. So when you're coming up with these crazy ideas, it really, you know, like, who are you trying to target? Oh, he, had, he wanted to be known as healthier food in certain areas. And he wanted, you know, more butts and seats in a slow time because he wasn't really doing brunch. Yep. It was a not new concept to kind of introduce and see what people thought of it. And so it kind of killed a couple of birds in one stone. But to do something like that, there was, um, you know, you've got to get the idea down, Pat. Then you've got to contact all those people and see what they think about it. And are they willing to be a part of it? And then you got to figure out how do you sell tickets to that? And then you got to figure out how to market that to the public. So we have various email lists, um, social media posts you can work with. Local PR agencies. You can work with local influencers, and you know I say something that I've heard a lot of other people. I think actually Bruce says this, um, but uh, I say it all the time: is influencers aren't just food influencers. They're your local pastor. They're your local rabbi. They're people in the fire department. They're teachers, local business owners. Everybody has their own little circles.
0: They're leaders. They're people. They're the little mavens all over the place.
1: Micro influencers in yeah. their own. They might not like the word influencer, and they're not you know trying to be known like most foodie influencers are.
0: I like the word maven is a good one. I think I, like I heard that, that from. Um, Maybe tipping point or something like that, uh, or it was one of uh, it was one of Seth Godin's books, I think, or maybe it was Malcolm Gladwell. I think it was maybe Malcolm. I can't remember. Anyway, um, <laughs> it's a good
1: word though. But I like Maven. Yeah. 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 Uh,
0: so, man, you're dropping a lot on us. Originally, I asked how Sorry. you're. No, this is great, and we're <laughs> gonna pull back all the layers because eventually, what I want to get into is a, a big chunk of our conversation is gonna be centered around. And this is probably gonna go a little bit closer to five. Is that you think it's a main issue? I think okay. we're fine? Yeah. So, first, I want to understand the fiscal relationship, how you're, so you were a consulting firm. So you were probably con- They were contracting you out you in your in the music industry. No, when oh. you're, when you're doing your, your marketing. Oh, with the marketing. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. So this is after your events, you created your marketing firm, which you sold just before COVID-19. Good on you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, Good what, kind of, what kind of crystal ball are you using? I want one. Uh, yeah, I've so- always been aware of these <laughs> trends,
1: man. Yeah. I'm telling you. No, I have total pure luck.
0: Yeah. So, um, so Get back into that relationship of if, if you're – I don't know because I don't know if it makes sense because I guess I'm thinking of the, the end user, the, the person who's back of this, is a restaurateur who's trying to throw an event for themselves, right? Yeah. So um, anything legally, agreements we need to have signed out, like or, when we're planning this, like what what – what things do we need to do to protect yourself and how Good do question. you split up the money? How does that Good look? Good question. Yeah.
1: Well, what we did with each one with the Summer Wellness, as an example, what we did was we asked each one of them, what would you want to come do this? And okay. we had an agreed upon price. And then once those pieces all fell into place, we go back to Vincenzo and our client and said, you know, here's what it's going to cost. Um, there's already our cost involved in it as well. But, uh, you know, here's what they're going to cost. And he yays or nays it. Um if you did your job right and you came together and you worked and you you know showed them how this could benefit everybody, it should come under cost. It should be where everybody's happy because everybody gets the exposure and the goodwill from it. Yeah. Um, even the, the price of it, I think it was only uh, $20, $25. He, it wasn't meant to make money. It was meant to kind of do something with empty time and expose new people to his new... Uh, you know, people to his restaurant and try and test the brunch concept out and see what people thought of yeah. the brunch.
0: But I think the big lesson here in, is obvious: is uh, start with the end in mind. When you are creating these events, the question, the first question you need to ask yourself is, who do we want to show up? Yeah, right. Who do we want to show up, and what do they want?
1: Yeah, yeah. And
0: then you reverse engineer it.
1: It is for that for that particular one. It was yeah. reverse engineer and to answer your question too. Legally wise, you really don't need any contracts, but you really should make sure that your insurance covers things like that that's the only thing you know we just reached out to the insurance agency sent them an good? email or they did yeah. are, you know are we covered for this you know just to make sure um, and that way it's just you're covered because okay. you are doing something different you're not serving food but it's but you are you know it never hurts yeah. to ask a question it, like there's, that
0: there's this tool and I'm kicking myself right now because I cannot remember what it's called I had them as a guest on the show so I'll do some research right. and link to it in the show notes but it's some type of it's not Bisley it's, it's maybe it's triple Seat. Triple C, m- triple seat. It might, it's a tool that basically it's a, it's an event planning tool that brings everybody in on one document. So as oh. as your your what's that that document that's called the the master document for an event. Do you know you know what I'm talking about? That's like the the, the 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 everything goes off this one piece of paper, like the menu, the times. There's a name for it, and it's escaping me. But it's it's a live document, kind of like Google Docs, where yeah. like if anything happens, everybody works off the same document. So if one change is made, okay, everybody gets that change. So like that's the big issue with events is mm. if I change this document, that document, that copy yeah. that you have, might not have gotten the change. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. there's a miscommunication. Yeah. So I want to make sure I give them a shout-out, because I feel like this is a good time. Yeah. So I'd like I'm to I'm, take a look and see
1: what that is, <laughs> yeah. because I might be able to use it down the road. We've yeah, got another Bacon you know. Fest no, coming so Right.
0: Up. <laughs> I'll let you know for sure, but I figured it would be a good plug for them. Um, yeah, neat. It's a, it's a good tool. All right, so we've kind of identified. Uh, you got to start with the end in mind. You've got to make sure you're talking to your insurances. You're you're, you're reaching out to these companies, these people. You're getting estimates of what it's going to take, and yeah. you go back to the person who's spending the money, yep. and you sell it Confirm to them. It. Confirm sell it. Sell it to them. Yep. um Anything that I'm missing up to this point?
1: You know, it really depends on the event. Like, if you just want to do a local wine dinner, you work with your local wine rep, and the wine rep says, this is the winery that is looking for exposure right now. Let's get a dinner together. You know, it's a matter of um, what kind of meal you're going to put to go with it, the pairing. Sometimes the winery will give the, the chef and the restaurant a couple bottles, and they can taste it and then pair. So there's really that kind of planning. But really, you know, anybody, everybody has these great ideas for these events, and great ideas are a dime a dozen. It's really the the marketing side of it that really matters the most and the mistakes are not getting it out there soon enough you know i've seen a lot of restaurants put together a wine dinner and they're trying to market it in seven days and it's like you've missed the boat already people have already made their
0: yeah when are you when how far back are you starting this process typically ideally months months months, three months four months
1: i try to do them at least three months okay you know, that really is, I think, a golden amount of time to start trickling depending on how quick you want to get something done because the idea can come in month three and you can start teasing it and talking about it, kicking it around. You know, everybody has a different process, but putting a little bit of thought into it and then by by month two, you could have, you know, more of a solid idea and you're ready to execute. You've gotten prices on whatever you need. To do an event for a local restaurant, I feel on the day that you launch it, if it's a decent size event, you got money on the ride on the on the line with it. You should have about thirty days of marketing. It should hit all social media, email blast at least thirty days before the event.
0: Okay, and ideally, what like ninety days?
1: No, no, it, thirty days is like the good mark. Like okay. maybe if you want to go forty five, that might be a little
0: early. You could
1: do a follow up.
0: Can you go to if you go too early? Do people just forget? They do. They'll okay. say, "Oh, that's a great idea. I'll get to it later." Yeah. And it never happens. Gotcha. Never okay. happens. Okay, so when when do, does it make sense for us to start talking about the, the big part of what you really have become a specialist in? And then this is how you've gotten to where you are today, yeah. um, which is marketing these events and promoting mm-hmm. these events. And that's where you really shine. Is it safe to say that? Yeah,
1: that's where, you know, putting okay. them together and, and then oh, okay. being able to market them and get them out there. Be-
0: before we get to that point, mm-hmm. is there anything that's worth bringing to the conversation as far as planning, organizing, uh, best practices on like – Schools of thought perspective hmm.
1: it's it's so complicated because it really depends i I hate to not have anything for you it just there's so many different aspects when it comes to throwing these kind case, of events sure. it's case by case, yeah, and so the good advice is really just you know make sure you plan ahead, yeah you know that's always been the thing that's most important is that planning ahead, so. Were they music, musicing uh, us out?
0: No, it, it is that time. But you know what? As long as both of us are talking, you can hear my yeah. voice pretty good, right Absolutely. now. Absolutely, one hundred percent. It's no yeah. problem. So let's get into the marketing now. Mm-hmm. So what do we need to know when it comes to marketing?
1: Um, well, with the marketing of the events—it's really getting the word out there and working with your local press, working with your yeah. local influencers. Um, that's really going to be important if you're that's putting right. if you're putting a local event together. And you've got 30 days to get this wine dinner out there. You've got time. You've got to remember that. Here's one. You've got to remember that a lot of these writers are working two, three months in advance. The magazines are already two, three months in advance these days. So you've got to be able to, you can't give them a lot of last minute stuff. And then, you know, newspapers wise, you can typically work with if you want to put an ad out or anything. But you're not going to get a story done in a week. You've got to, you know, build those relationships with the people. And then you've got to give them that information weeks in advance, you know, at least so they can know, try and, you know, fit it in someplace. Yeah. So those are really important things to have continued success. You almost, it's almost like a job into itself. That's why there's PR agents. Yeah. Job into itself, just to um, continue and keep that pipeline open with these various sources so that when the time comes, they can get it in. And that helps in the marketing really drastically. You know, like every city in America has got some sort of a weekly hot dish email from the newspaper or from the magazine or something. And it's, great to get in there it could really mean 10 extra 20 extra dinners
0: yeah so let's let's zoom to thirty thousand feet yep. relative to uh, promoting the event you, you already mentioned uh email lists influencers what are the other elements along that line without getting into detail but just listing off the things that we're going to talk about i okay. want to so i want to make sure we, we cover everything i want to make sure we get it in with our respected time with our our host here so on the marketing side of things? Yeah, promoting the event. You want to blast your email list? You oh, want yeah. to contact influencers? What are the other things that you do? What's part of your, your regimen?
1: Well, definitely reaching out to the local press. We said that one. Yep. So that's got to be one of them. And then um, working with a lot of local chambers, working with a lot of local organizations as well. So being that I work with restaurants, I have a lot of gift cards that I have in trade that I've been able to establish. I give those uh, a lot of, <clears throat> excuse me, I give a lot of those gift cards to a lot of these local charity organizations. They use them as door prizes. And then when I do that, I can reach out to a charity and say, hey, I'd love to sponsor some door prizes this month. Can I come speak at your meeting for two minutes? Talk about sizzle. Of course, guy, you can. And so, you know, I'm like, okay, thank you. And now I get to go out and give the word.
0: Say that one more time. What what are, the, what are you going to? Local charities?
1: Local charity group organizations. Um, a lot of the, I don't, maybe it's not in every single city, but here we have a lot of local charity groups. And so they'll throw like monthly meetings and there'll be, you know, 100, 150 people, 200 people at some of these meetings. And so to get a chance to be able to speak in front of them, like chamber meetings, yep. you know, it's not just a little six person, you know, they're, they're larger meetings. And so.
0: And you're bringing gift cards. Yeah,
1: I, would, I work with them throughout the year, and I donate gift cards to these local charities all the time, anytime they ask for any sort of a door price. And
0: the gift cards are the gift cards to the restaurants that are going to be at the event?
1: The gift cards are from the Sizzle restaurants, from when I work with the Restaurant Week side of okay. things, or any clients that I've worked with Okay, and as where well. are you
0: getting these, these? How do you get a Sizzle gift card
1: that's actually not a sizzle gift card. They're gift cards for individual
0: restaurants. Okay, so you're getting the gift card. The gift cards yeah. are being forwarded from the restaurant. You get a stack of, say, $50 gift cards yep. that you can just dole out to yep. add value to someone's life. And Absolutely. See, and then they remember you because, oh, like we, we have to go to this restaurant. Oh, I got this from Guy. There's this event. So you're just trying to stick.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's meant to help out our local because... You know, they love giving out those door prizes as part of like the drop your business card in the bucket kind of thing. And so that helps them, you know, accomplish their goal. The restaurants get the exposure of maybe having somebody new come to the restaurant. And then when I ask them for a favor and say, hey, would you mind if I can speak about restaurant week, you know, in front of your audience or if I can speak about, you know, a certain event we're doing in front of your, your audience? most of the time you know it's a they work with you on that so that helps out but the point is really not how i do it but the point is you know to go out and talk with a lot of local businesses and local chambers that have these kind of meetings and gatherings of larger things because that's just one of the layers yeah. of things to do it's not just about buying newspaper ads um, and putting emails out and facebook out and social media out it's really trying to get the event out to the right people you know in that way Some of the groups we work with, with like the Naples Ladies Club, we can send them a flyer, and they'll include that flyer in their um, newsletter that they send out so you can reach out to... You know, thousands of people that yeah. way as well. So I guess maybe it's the networking and the connecting yeah, and that really what, makes the deeper connection. And that's
0: what we've identified you as, is a <laughs> networker and a connector. So if you're thinking to yourself, if you're shaking your head and you're doing of these, like, that's me. That's me too. I'm a, I'm a yeah. networker. I'm a connector. Then there's an opportunity here for you to go yeah. beyond your restaurant and to start something as a side hustle. And I mean, we haven't really gotten into it. I don't know if it's too personal, but I do like to get into the financial side of things. Like, mm-hmm. what kind of money can be made doing these events? How profitable can an event, on average, be?
1: And the music events, they can be horrible or they can be profitable. Yeah, it really depends into the thousands and thousands of dollars. Yep, it really depends on so many factors: how many tickets you sell, how much is your expenses. Um, in the food events, you know, generally I haven't run a lot of food events to be to try to be super profitable. Almost everything I do, even with the clients that I work with. There must be some sort of a charitable component involved. I feel it's really important well, to be able to, to tithe back and yeah. to give back. They're, they're really. I just feel that connection is there well, and it that, it, that it helps. It
0: reminds me of what Simon Sinek says people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. And people are going yeah. to go to an event based off of why yeah. that event is happening.
1: Yeah, it's really important. Yeah, smart. And it's not. I don't do that strategically. I don't do that because of that reasoning. I, I do it because I just feel that there really should be some giving back. I'm I'm asking my community to give me something to come to my events. I, I feel I should give back to my community because I'm asking for something. It's it's I hate. Pre- Quid pro quo. Well, I mean that. I hate that I know, set I mean, of words, it, but it's it's just, it's like almost a karma ish feel of that. It
0: makes showing up easier, man, when you there's something back yeah. of it. And I, I completely agree with that because it's the same thing with Restaurant Unstoppable. My, my, my mission is to inspire, empower, and transform the industry. And that's yeah. knowing that I can transform one person's life. You know, like, and then that tripled that, that if you can change one person's life, they're going to change the lives that they come in contact, you know, and you need that. Why you need something to drive you to make it worth showing up, driving across the country, you know, (laughs) that is true though. That is true
1: though. Very true. Did I cut you short on that? No, I mean, it it just, you know, there's, it's a good thing to help your community out. So, you know, with sizzle restaurant week, one of the things I do is, um, in the past when I had a partner in the event. We did one dollar out of every restaurant week meal went towards the Sizzle Scholarship. That scholarship gave money to FGCU um, uh, College we have here, Florida Gulf Coast University. Yeah. That money went to local high school kids who graduated here, who are going to the food and beverage program. I love it. So, you know, we were helping the college. The college had the scholarship when you went out and dined. Now, moving forwards, um, I'm going to run the event to where one up to one dollar, or no, yeah, one dollar is going to be donated from the restaurant week. And that's going to be donated to Blessings in a Backpack, okay. which feeds insecure kids. So
0: what percentage do you typically put aside for donations?
1: It's not a percentage. It's, it's kind of how it all, I don't run it that way. I never okay. put anything pre. I look at how much came out. Like, how did we profit out of this? How did it all work out? And then I just kind of go from there and give. But with the, with the restaurant week, the way we've done it is the restaurants are really the one donating the dollar back because they're donating $1 from every restaurant week meal sold to the charity. Got it. So it's it's kind of I'm really just connecting the restaurant to the charity, but I'm using the event as the catalyst to get people to go out because then they feel like they dine with purpose.
0: Okay. Awesome. Anything we have not touched on regarding – events promoting events that you think is just gold and you want to get out before you move on to talk a little bit about social media and what you do today
1: to try and work with the radio stations as well with any kind of events sometimes you can give seats away in your event if you have enough seats you know that's one thing i always plan like if a seven thousand square yeah. um, person event i would only sell five thousand
0: tickets. Mm-hmm. Local podcasts too. There's a lot of no, seriously yeah. though. Like this yeah. is a national podcast. Yeah, but there's a lot of mi- like micro local podcasts where people are interviewing just yep. local businesses and like tap into those resources too. That is very true. Yeah, that um, is very true. Okay, so now you mentioned like you eventually sold your event planning, your your, your social media. Yep, the marketing what, what, what side of the you company. What, what was like? What elements did that business that you sold have?
1: Well, when we had started Restaurant Week, so I was doing the Bacon Festival, and yeah. then um, a friend came to me, a foodie friend came to me and said, hey, you know, we don't have Restaurant Week in our town. We should start up Restaurant Week and everything. And I said, oh, man, I'm in this on that. 2013?
0: Yeah. 14. Um,
1: this was 2015. Okay. And I said, man, yeah, absolutely. That's needed here. I... Left Bacon Fest. I gave it to the charity that I was working with, the Qantas Club. Okay. And I said, hey, you can have the event. Here it is. And my friend and I started up this restaurant week. And so that grew December 2017 was our first year together doing it. We had 26 restaurants. And then the spring we had 43 restaurants. And then Irma hit that winter, that September of 17. Hurricane Irma, sorry. That was a rough one, yeah. But... We had like 70-something restaurants sign up for the December event. We did it twice a year back then. And we saw this thing growing and everything. So, you know, that really kind of grew. But that first year in 2017, um, as it started growing up and proving to people, restaurants started coming to him and I and saying, hey... I want you to do my marketing. You're doing, you know, how are you doing Bacon Fest and how you've done the marketing for restaurant week? Can you do my marketing? And that got us kind of thinking, wow, you know, this is a natural progression of the company. Yep. So we started up this other company and said, hey, that's, you know, that's what we do. And we, we were rocking. We had a bunch of clients. But then running a company is completely different than running an event. It was oh, yeah. really a learning curve. And that's where I fine-tuned all of my marketing knowledge that I had was because now we had multiple clients that we could test all of these crazy ideas out on. Yeah. And it was boom, 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 fail or succeed, fail or succeed, fail or succeed. So it's pretty neat that way too.
0: What were some of the biggest lessons you learned as far as marketing a restaurant or through testing these ideas for your clients?
1: Word of mouth is the most powerful thing. So use any positive reviews that your restaurant has um, and put them and highlight them. All the time, you know, use those positive reviews on all your social media because it shows proof that other people are saying good things. Don't be afraid of video, Um, you know, do as much video as you can of your restaurant. You know, it doesn't have to be completely, you know, professional all the time. So, but it it gets you out there a little bit. I see a lot of restaurants shying away from that. They, you know, the, the, the chefs don't want to do cooking lessons or cooking classes. Just do it, you know, get a little video out there. It makes us all human, Yeah. you know? Even me speaking of video, <laughs> even me being I'm so nervous, I hate being videoed. <laughs> no, you're doing great, man.
0: Um, but this is a vi- I we can do talk have on video. Clubhouse all day long, but yeah. I hate video. <laughs> uh, we do. If you guys have not subscribed to the Restaurant Unstoppable uh, Facebook, sorry, the, the Restaurant Unstoppable YouTube channel, please do. There is a video component here. Um, and uh, please subscribe when you're over there. Yeah, all right. Selfish plug, over. No, um, do it, man. <laughs> we have about 15 minutes left. I want to get out of here at 5 o'clock. The, the, the Turtle Club is being so kind to let us... Maybe uh, we can go 10? 10 minutes. 10 minutes. Yeah, we Cut get, that out. Cut, yeah. So anything you want to drop on us uh, regarding marketing, um, if I cut you short there, if you didn't get enough time to talk about marketing, get it out now. No. We're going to go to a speed round. And I'd love
1: to come back if you ever want to do a workshop yeah. or something yeah. like that.
0: And I'm actually... It, if you're listening to this and you like what guy's sharing with us and there is a workshop you'd like him to lead, shoot us a message. Yeah. Um, Cause yeah. we are hosting those workshops in restaurant unstoppable network and uh, I would love to invite you to it. So yeah. um, is there anything we haven't gone out that you want to get out now?
1: Well, you know, so when I went from, let's see, we were, we talked about, you know, we we started growing the marketing side of the company, yep. and that's really where it allowed us to have all of this experimenting yep. and learning all these new things. And then you're also working with yeah. a lot of restaurateurs that have done things a certain way. So you're learning from them as well because they've put time in owning these restaurants, so mm-hmm. they kind of know what works and doesn't work. And they're, they're kind of mentoring you along the way if you're, you know, open to listen. Yeah. So we learned a lot of little things about, you know, uh, the ebb and flow of how people go in and out of the restaurants, how seven o'clock in my area, seven o'clock is the number one time for a reservation, you know, little things like that, that help on the marketing side. So I guess the lesson out of this is kind of really look at your restaurant in context of what it is and look at your numbers and know what, what your numbers are. That'll help you figure out like when your ebb and flows are, you know, I can go know a lot of things with that, you know, how much your food costs are, blah, blah, blah. But if you really want to make your business successful, you know, look at your data and try and find out what your success points are and replicate those success points based on that data. Mm. Was it 7 o'clock at night was yep. your busiest? Or was it 5 o'clock at night was your busiest? If it's 5, well, then try to replicate that somehow. Or if it was the fish dinner special versus the chicken dinner special. Data can show you all sorts of things. So that helped us on the marketing side because that's how we judge success. Yeah. Yeah. You it. know, it's not just butts and seats.
0: Yeah. And you can't, and there's so many tools and resources available to us today to get data and to track data and to measure our efforts. You, you got to take advantage of that for sure. Um, all right. We're going to take one more break to thank our sponsor and we'll come right back to bust out a true speed round. Do you have team members asking you the same questions over and over again? That's because the business hinges on a person. You. You don't want people-dependent operations. You want system-dependent operations. Growing up in the restaurant industry, my dad would always say you don't own a restaurant. A restaurant owns you. And that's true until you can replace yourself with systems, procedures, processes, policies, tools, and technologies. And that's where Sweet Process comes in. Sweet Process is a software that enables companies to have a central place for all their procedures, processes, and policies. It makes it easy for management managers and their ground-level employees to collaborate together to create these procedures, processes, and policies. It also makes it easy to continuously improve these documents together. Sweet Process becomes the one source of truth, the one place where every employee, regardless of their role in the restaurant, can go to find information on how work is done right. By default, Sweet Process offers a free 14-day trial but if you go to www.sweetprocess.com/unstoppable you can get an extended 28-day free trial that's www.sweetprocess.com/unstoppable Today's episode is brought to you by Seven Shifts. Seven Shifts is a modern labor management platform designed by restaurateurs for restaurateurs. And effective labor management is more important than ever to ensure your profitability and restaurant success. Trusted by over 400 restaurant professionals, Seven Shifts gives you the tools you need to streamline labor operations, communicate with your team, and retain your talent. Best of all, Seven Shifts integrates with the POS and payroll system you already use in trust like toast, turning labor into a competitive advantage for you and your business to get three months. Absolutely free. Head over to www.7shifts.com slash unstoppable. That's the number seven S H I F T S dot com slash unstoppable to get three months of industry leading labor management for free. Get on it. We're back, and the first question I have for you is: What is your it factor—a habit, a trait, a characteristic you believe that most contributes to your success? ADHD. What is your biggest weakness? ADHD. And I've never heard somebody say ADHD with for, <laughs> for strength, and I am right there with you. Brother. <laughs> Tell me what I'm missing out on.
1: It's my weakness and my strength. It can it can make me be on point. It could drag me down. <laughs> it's the craziest thing, but I love it. Right. I embrace having being different
0: okay what is one thing you feel restaurant tours don't do well enough or often enough
1: paint the picture of the experience of their restaurant
0: i love it and i don't know why i asked i jumped all the way down to that question it's like way down the bottom but we'll just won't ask it again later what is your um what is your one question you ask or thing you look for if you're building a team i don't know if you ever had to do that these questions are more geared towards restaurant tours we can skip it
1: When I'm trying to build a team, I look for people out of the box who think differently.
0: I love it. What is one, quite, uh, what is one of your biggest challenges today?
1: I won't say ADHD again.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Too many great ideas, not enough time.
0: Ugh, I feel that. Uh, share one code of conduct or behavior you teach your team, if you have a team. Do you have a team? Are you never. Solo?
1: Uh, when I had a team, yeah. never be afraid of, to fail.
0: I love it. Uh, what is one uncommon standard of service? You teach your team. Again, these are restaurant tour geared questions.
1: Manners mean everything. Mm. Learn your manners. Understand what spoon, what fork, what knife. Don't talk with your mouth full. Things like that. I love it. At Emily Post, I think it was the Miss Manners. Okay. And uh, that should be taught to every kid today.
0: I love it. Uh, what is one book that's a must-read to make a better person or restaurant owner?
1: I actually just finished an interesting book by Michael Pollitz, the um, founder of the Food and Beverage magazine. Okay. He wrote a book called – it was something – Mike's going to kill me. It was the the restaurant – basically the guide to restaurant success, something like that.
0: I think I know. I think I actually just got it, too. He's active on Clubhouse, right? He's very
1: active on Clubhouse. And I read that. It's 100-something pages. It was a a fun read. He's he's like, no BS, to the point, but it's easy to read, funny little stories. Um, And I read through this because I know him and he's a friend I was looking for something I could bust his chops on and I couldn't find anything to bust his chops how do you spell on It's called Pulitz P-O-L-I-T-Z.
0: P-O-L-I-T-Z. I think Michael Pulitz oh, Michael the internet right now no wonder
1: Yep so he um anyways it was the book was good Yeah. but I I think like I said I looked for something to bust his chops on I looked for something in there that I could like nah that's not how you do it you old man I couldn't find anything. I give him credit. He really covered all bases. I was really impressed.
0: Name one service you've hired or outsourced to, maybe specific to events or social media.
1: Well, a lot of graphics. Mm -hmm. I like to get a lot of new points of view, and I like to see kind of some new trending things. So I tend to do A/B testing with a local graphics and an outside graphics. Sometimes it's worth a few extra dollars to build relationships. Is there a and,
0: specific like outside graphic resource you go to? Or,
1: or, oh, I've used Upwork a lot. Okay. I mean, I'm, if I have to, but I've by now years of doing this, I've built an, a team of people, and then yeah. through them, I'll hear of new designers. Yeah. they be like, "Oh, my friend Jeremy, dah, 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 you know, you should try him out." Upwork. Upwork.
0: I've also used Unsplash a lot. If you don't have a budget, I think it's Unsplash, which is like free. Oh, look in that. Yeah, cool. Um, What is one piece of technology you've adopted within your business that applies to the restaurant industry?
1: that applies to the um, restaurant industry again, these questions is going to be a little towards
0: the restaurant industry yeah. but, um, i know you don't own a restaurant so i'm trying to think about like new, doing what you do what's uh, one technology about outsourced? a new
1: piece of gadget that i got that i wish i would have had for the last 20 years of my life was this thing called the remarkable two okay it's a tablet okay and it's like any it's like a ipad yeah but it's meant for writing okay it feels like writing but it has a killer file system. Ooh. So I can take all those ADHD ideas in my head and write <laughs> them down and completely file searchable, send it to PDFs, and it has optical character recognition, so I can take writing to text. Oh, So that's pretty cool. And that's cloud-based. It's remarkable, too. Yeah, I sound like a commercial for yeah. him. I'm, I'm jazzed about it. I bought it off of like one of those Kickstarter things, okay. and it took a while to get it. And I love the damn thing.
0: I love it. Um, yeah, this is the last question. It's a doozy. Get ready yep. for it. If you got the news, you'd be leaving this world tomorrow. All the memories of you, your work, and your businesses would be lost with your departure. With the exception of three pieces of wisdom you could leave behind for the good of humanity and your legacy, what would they be? That is it. such a deep question. <laughs> yeah, man. Deep How do you expect person.
1: me to answer that in like what, one the, minute? The first thing that
0: comes to your mind. Don't overthink it. Just stop.
1: Three things of advice, of advice. What's
0: one piece of advice you would want to give your child today?
1: Make sure you brush your teeth three times a day.
0: What's the second piece of advice you'd want to give your child today?
1: Always be good to people.
0: What's the third piece of advice you'd give to your child today?
1: You should have bought Bitcoin earlier.
0: Yeah, <laughs> awesome stuff, and I love today's <laughs> conversation. Uh, and if we didn't get a chance, I want to make sure people do know that if you're not on Clubhouse yet, yeah, um, you know you're going to town on Clubhouse. You're hosting uh, like three events a week. Uh, oh, we know. do.
1: I have the. I'm the founder of the Restaurant Marketing Club. Yeah, and that's how I discovered. We you. do. Thank you. Yeah. We do probably about two rooms a day, two classes a day um and i have various speakers come in like bruce Irving is actually one of my speakers and we talked restaurant unstoppable Yep, and we talk with uh you know other people about bots we have text messaging and marketing 101 and open welcome class i mean different Who's different doing rooms. Bots the
0: best right now
1: um i like a company called tap the table okay and i also work with a lot of people that work with many chat okay but i've personally done some comparisons and i don't know it really depends on what application, what you learned, but I like tap the table.
0: I'm making notes because that's a vertical I need to get into. Maybe you can connect me, Mister. I'm connector. sure I could. <laughs> I
1: happen to know the guy. He's on Clubhouse. Yeah, nice. But yeah, anybody's on Clubhouse, you know, come check me out. I'm um, at Guy Eats. Yep. And you can just, you know, find me in the restaurant marketing club
0: And your social handles at guy eats as well at guy eats. And we'll be sure to link to that. I think this is going to be episode. Hang on to the, the closing thoughts. I'll tell you the episode number and guy. Thank you so much for taking the time to share your story, your knowledge and mentorship. Actually. Um, I, I almost forgot to have you call somebody out. You already did connect me with some folks out here that you thought I'd Would be great guests on the show, but maybe just re, maybe echo their names here so we can give them a little bit of a nod.
1: I would love to see Jeremy Ford sitting in this chair for sure. I've reached out to him and um, I'm sure he's busy. I know he's got a new TV show, Um, it's been a hilarious show. I've watched every episode of it. Um, And then um, Brad Kilgore over in Miami would be fantastic. He's doing some amazing things over there at Alter. Um, And then here locally, There was uh, Vincenzo Batulia, I know you're going to be meeting with tomorrow. And uh, we tried reaching out to to Velco from Sales Restaurant. He would have been a great one to chat with while you were here in Naples. Okay. So, Beautiful.
0: Thank you so much. Guys, I'm coming after you again. If you haven't already uh, gotten back to me, and I just can't say thank you enough. There is no questioning, my man. You are unstoppable. There we go. Another episode wrapped up here. Special thanks to today's guest, Guy Clark, for coming on. And man, really great stuff. Make sure you do check him out over at Clubhouse. And I just can't say thanks enough. So we have so many cool things going on over in Restaurant Unstoppable Network. We're going to be hosting our first ever live course in the network. I'm collaborating with mentor and past guests, Rudy Mick. And we're going to be going over the Prime Cost and Profit 101. This is the stuff that nobody ever taught you about Prime Costing and Profit. And we actually recorded a workshop around the same topic two times. The first time we ran into some audio and um, Wi-Fi issues. And I really wanted to record it again with Rudy. One, because we had a lot of great feedback the first time around. And two, because I really wanted to make sure the recording that we shared on the podcast had better audio quality. But in between those two recordings, we had multiple people say, Holy crap, I, I implemented these lessons that Rudy taught us during the first workshop, and they came back to the second workshop and they just raved about the impact that this information Rudy shared with us was having in their business. So we decided to create a whole course. We're going to go one lesson a week six lessons one lesson a week and we're popping off on april 28th so we push it back three weeks and we're going to be doing this live so not only is rudy going to be really slowing down and taking step through step, step by step through this process or these processes we're also going to do a QA after each time and then there's gonna be a week for you guys to, to implement the lessons learned and then come back and to get advice from rudy so this is exciting stuff and we're 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 hosting this in the re- the network, so if you want to be a part of this course, head over to restaurantunstoppablenetwork.com. Uh, you can shoot me a message, Eric, at Restaurant Unstoppable. I have a link for a 30-day trial, in, uh, or I'll just send it to you, and we can get you in. Also, in the network this week, we have a ton of cool things happen we have a b-bot a live b-bot demo with the vp of sales derek Do- uh, Dom- domino i hope i'm saying your name right derek we also have a pure mentoring session with ken schwartz and another pure mentoring session with uh, thomas kelly our past guest so this is your time to connect with my guests and to get pure mentoring and this is what it's all about i could not be more excited about the future of restaurant unstoppable we'll come be a part of the network see you there peace